before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when this set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Okay, thank you very much for reading God's word to us. Let us pray, and then we will uh, reflect on the verses that have been read. We'll pray. Father, even the song that we just sang is a prayer that we might meet you in your word. And we realize that that is something which your Holy Spirit does. And we pray that you would take this passage and cause it to be relevant and clear and pointed tonight to our hearts. We pray that as we listen, we would find ourselves not hearing a man, but uh, being aware of your voice. And I pray, Father, that you would help me to please you in the way that I seek to open up these verses. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, of course, uh, this passage has come to me to share with you, and I guess you have been looking around the book of Galatians before what we're now doing tonight. But one of the things to recognize is that the introduction was superb right at the beginning of the service, which is this whole question of, who are you? And uh, clearly that wasn't just a light-hearted moment. Uh, That was a well-chosen phrase because it is important to understand that the Apostle Paul was very, very committed to God's people having a very clear and good understanding of who they are now in Christ. He doesn't neglect to point out what we once were, but he very much wants us to get hold of who we are. That isn't to put your head in the sand. It isn't to be in a false situation. It isn't to deny the fact that we have weaknesses and faults and failings. But if we don't grasp who we are now in Christ, we will find ourselves pulled back into the old ways of thinking, the old habits, and what Christ has done for us will not be liberating us in the way that he wants us to. 
Now, when Paul is writing to the Galatians, he has a burden at the back of his heart and mind, and it's simply this. He respects the law. He knew the law as well as anybody. He was a leading Pharisee. But what he understood was this, that there were people who had become enslaved to the law. The Pharisees, of course, of Jesus' day, were very much that way inclined. And they had, as it were, their noses to the grindstone. They were just looking so much at, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Am I doing the other? Is it right? Is it wrong? There was no life. There was no real walk with God because they were so fussing all the time about getting it right. And perhaps more disturbing, they were inflicting on others very strong burdens, strict tickings off and so on, if they didn't get it right as well. And therefore, there was no joy in knowing God. There was no sense of of really appreciating his forgiveness and a new relationship because you would always be confronted with, have you done this and have you done that and so on. And and, and that was just soul-destroying. And Paul is concerned that the Galatians, they saw that the law helped them to see the character of God, helped them to perceive and understand what God required. And seeing what God required and seeing how woefully we fall short, there is then the good news, but Jesus has settled it for you. Jesus has dealt with our law-breaking and our rebellion. That doesn't let us off the hook in terms of the need to still seek to live holy lives and to live in a responsible way, but it means that we're no longer crushed by all these do's and don'ts. We've been brought into a freedom. We're accepted. We belong to God. We are now his people. And that's a very precious thing. And so when Paul is writing to the Galatians, he says, please don't fall back into those old ways. Don't fall back into that regimental, rigid legalistic situation, almost punishing yourself, enjoy the grace of God. Yes, live a holy life. Yes, say no to sin. But enjoy the fact that you are now new in Christ. And that's very much what he's seeking to illustrate. That's why he's writing these verses, because he's concerned that Christians should not be miserable and not be nitpicking, but rather they should enjoy the goodness and the love of God. Now, when he writes to the Romans, he does, in fact, strike up a a similar theme of our identity in Christ. But there, what he's doing is not just addressing legalism and an attitude to the law that cripples and that just uh, causes you to be crushed, but when he's writing to the Romans, he's wanting us to understand that freedom in Christ forgiveness from sin, being a new creation, coming into a place where we're not under the wrath of God, where we are born again, when we are in a place, we sit in heavenly places, that's Ephesians, and uh, various other places where, where Paul is illustrating, it's so different now. And, and what he's saying is, this is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that there is an answer to our sinfulness, there is an answer to our darkness, there is an answer to our natural propensity to want to do wrong rather than right. The gospel is the answer. And that comes out in so many of his letters. 
what Christ did on the cross is able to put us into an entirely different position. And if we truly understand the gospel, the love of God, the compassion of God reaching out to us as sinners, Jesus becoming sin for us, when we understand that good news, we embrace it with humility and with a desire to say thank you, Jesus. And the best way we can say thank you is to seek to live a life that is pleasing to God. But let's come back to Galatians. Let's come back to this situation of the legalistic problem that the Galatians were tempted to fall back into. And Paul, in the verses that we've read, is really wanting to explain how different it is now you belong to Christ. He talks about your children of God through faith. In other words, you've come into a relationship with God, not because of men, not because of your birth, not because of your hereditary status, but you've come into a new place because when you put your faith in Christ, recognize there was nothing you could do except cast yourself upon his mercy, God did something. He caused you to be born again, to become children of God. Paul also talks about being clothed with Christ. Outside of Christ, we are like those who are naked, exposed, vulnerable. But in Christ, we we are clothed with his righteousness. We are able to stand tall, not in an arrogant way, but we're able to stand up and say, I belong to Jesus, and that has made a massive difference to my life. How I look at myself, how I look at others, how I respond to God, it's all changed because I'm wearing different clothes now. It's not just an outward thing either. It is very much an inward thing. But that is one of the changes that Paul highlights. He says, in Christ you have become part of his body and therefore whether you were a Jew or whether you were a Gentile, whether you were a slave or whether you were free, whether you are a man or whether a woman, uh, that doesn't matter anymore because in Christ you have become one with God and you are one with each other with those who also love Jesus. And that's an incredible thing that God has done. You know, there are plenty of organizations that have existed up and down the centuries that have tried to bring people together and have failed pretty abysmally. But God's done it. He's brought us together because of what Jesus did on the cross. And therefore, whatever race, whatever background, whatever culture, I can find a unity, I can find a oneness with my brothers in Christ. Jesus has done it. For me, it is to grasp it, to enter into it, to enjoy it, not to try and make it happen. And this, again, is something he explains. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. He goes back to great father Abraham, the one who stepped out, who made those wonderful steps, made that journey of faith, and believed God, believed that the promises of God would be fulfilled. He had his few wobbly moments, and he had his few questions, but in the main, he held fast, he stepped forward, and he saw the grace of God, the goodness of God. And we become like Abraham, 
when we sow our seed of faith, when we say, Lord, I give up on trying to solve things my way, I just hand myself over to you. Paul goes on and says, you once were were slaves, you were uh, in in a place where spiritually you were in darkness. And this darkness was very deep darkness, satanic darkness, demonic darkness. You were in the hands of the enemy. You didn't belong to God, you were in Satan's kingdom. But he says what Jesus did when he died for you on the cross, and when you put your trust in Jesus and abandoned yourself to him, you were freed from the kingdom of darkness. You were put in a different position. You were given a different citizenship. And it was all of grace. Now you belong to God and you do not belong to the enemy anymore. But you know, there are people who, even though they have genuinely responded to Christ, they've received Christ, they still find themselves a little bit in chains. People have often described it as like being in a prison cell. The door has been unlocked and they could step outside, but they stay inside. Somehow they feel a bit safer inside, even though they shouldn't be there anymore. They don't belong there anymore. But we don't need to feel condemned. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We simply need to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust what you have said. You, the Son, if you've set me free, I am free indeed. And therefore, I will walk out of this cell. I will walk out of this situation, trusting you, and I will not give in any longer to the lies and the deceit and the entrapment that the enemy so much wants to bring me into. But then, what uh, Paul does, he wants to talk about our sense of the fatherhood of God. This is a very, very wonderful subject. And of course, it's very, very significant in the life and ministry of Jesus. You all know very well that when Jesus came among the disciples, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, you can pray to God our Father. And the sense of the fatherhood of God is a very, very precious thing. We need to have God reveal that to us because in our nature, sometimes we may find that something we resist. And perhaps very understandably so. Because in many ways, in comprehending the fatherhood of God, what we tend to do is compare him with our earthly fathers. And if that has not been a very good experience, that's going to be a considerable barrier in coming to grasp the fact that God is a wonderful heavenly father. If you didn't know your father, well clearly that is a big challenge in life. If you knew your father and he abused your mother, that isn't very helpful. If your father was someone who you never saw and to try and get time with was almost as difficult as getting an appointment with the prime minister or whatever, that again is going to cast quite a shadow on us grasping the fatherhood of God. One of the things that uh, Reverend Phil and I would find very much and others who travel is how 
there are so many orphans in different parts of the world. And so many who are growing up desperate to have a true sense of fatherhood. Some of them will say, I had a conversation only this week with a pastor called George who's hoping to come to the Kasumu conference and he said to me, you are my father. Well, I've learned that you have to sometimes take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt because you don't know quite what they mean and what expectations they might have. There might be a genuine sense of teach me, help me, be a father to me. Sometimes, sadly, it might mean that they hope you've got quite a lot in your pocket that you'll be able to put their way. There can be all sorts of different things going on. But what is clear is their real desire for fatherhood. When I first went to Poland, uh, you know Poland perhaps a little, you know their suffering, their history, their time when the Germans were beating them one way and at the end of the war the Russians were beating them the other. And real, real problems. And Andrei, my friend in Poland, who looks after about 50 churches, when we were discussing one day about what might be relevant ministry to bring to the Polish people, he said, would you speak about the fatherhood of God? There is a great need. If you are blessed to have had or have a godly father, then that is a great blessing. But here is Paul's message. You can know Father God. And we sang the song, didn't we? Father God, I wonder. It's great, isn't it? You, you've chosen very well. You've put it all together great, haven't you? But uh, it, it's really good, isn't it, to see, in fact, that the fatherhood of God is a reality. It's not a pipe dream. It's not, oh, I wish that I could sense God was my father. We can know it. We should know it. Because Jesus has died in order that we might be redeemed from Satan's curse and brought into a place where we are adopted as sons. We belong to him. And remember, adoption is not second best. I always remember years ago as a student going to the house of uh, a young lady who uh, the parents were there. And uh, it came to light in the conversation. Well, actually, uh, we adopted her. But you would never know the way in which they'd received her into their home, the way that she loved them. It was very clear that though adopted, that wasn't second best. That was a glorious, wonderful experience a harmonious sense of beauty and love flowing between them. And again, I'm sure Reverend Phil can back this up, that sometimes you go into the home, again, of some of our African friends, and you see uh, a great crowd of children, and you will find it difficult to know who has been adopted and brought into the family and who was born out of the mother and, and husband. That is a real experience. By the way, one of the photographs, I don't know if you would remember, because I live with it, I remember, but there was a lady, there was a picture of a very old lady, and there was Isaac, you wouldn't know it was Isaac, but he was on one side and Mary was on the other. That old lady is about a 100 years old, maybe more now. And uh, one of the things about that story, which was very precious, 
Isaac said, we must stop. We must go and see this lady. And he wanted us to visit her because he was orphaned. His parents were killed in the war in Congo. And she made a decision that she would not marry. But what she would do is she would take into her home children who had been orphaned and she would care for them as her own. She said, if I have children on my own, as it were, maybe I won't be able to love and care for the same way for these others. So, no husband, I'm just going to devote myself. And again, you could see how proud she was of Isaac, the way he'd grown up. He had now married. He had children. He was a pastor. He was loving Jesus. It was a real thrill to that woman to see those things. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me. And Satan now has no right to try and claim us. He has no right to try and spoil us. Jesus has paid the price. We are now free from our sin. We're free from his domination. And we are in a position to be new creations in Christ and to walk in Christ, to walk in freedom and to enjoy all the riches that there are in Christ which also includes knowing the fatherhood of God. And Paul points out here, Jesus arrived at just the right time. We actually read that verse very often around Christmas time alongside other prophecies. When the time had come, the time that God had determined and decided upon, God sent his son into the world so that he would deal with sin, so that he could bring us to God, and so that we could know the fatherhood of God. And what Paul goes on to say is this. He says, you are no longer slaves, God's child, and since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. I want to comment that we can call God Abba, Father. Maybe tonight you you do struggle with this whole idea of the fatherhood of God. But the Lord wants to give you grace and heal you and help you. You may, as I commented earlier, have handled very troubled times in your life which have contributed to your sense of, I cannot perceive God as a father. I keep thinking about my father. And if God's like that, I don't want to know him. But he is not like that. And he wants to give you time. And he wants to develop you, encourage you. He wants to put his arms around you. If you want an idea of the fatherhood of God, we need just to reflect briefly again on that parable that Jesus told, the parable of the lost son. The one who wandered away and rebelled and wasted all his father's money, but who came to his senses in the pigsty and who recognized the folly of his selfishness and determined, I will go back to my father. I will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve anything. Please allow me just to come back. Just to be within your general care will be enough. And Father's heart, I'm sure you know the story very well, is put a ring on his finger. 
put a robe around him. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's have a feast. Let's rejoice. Running down the hill, the father seeks to greet the son who returns. And that is the fatherhood of God illustrated as well as anywhere in Scripture it can be illustrated. These verses have been written simply to say this is what is available in Christ. And Paul is saying to the Galatians, why don't you enter in and take hold of this incredible provision that has been made for you? Don't go back to legalism. Don't go back to fretting. Don't go back to anxiety. Don't go back to fear. Don't go back to a wrong view of God that he's just waiting at any moment to, as it were, send a thunderbolt to destroy you. God is righteous. God is holy. And we never want to forget that. But God hates sin and loves sinners. God is holy and perfect and sent Jesus to suffer and die so that our sin could be dealt with. Don't add to the salvation that Jesus offers. Your own puny efforts, my own attempts to justify myself, it is futile. We must not do that. We are different because of Jesus. And God calls us to embrace that difference, giving him praise and giving him the thanks. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we began again this evening with that question, who are you? And the songs that we've sung and this passage that we've looked at are giving us an understanding of who we are in Christ that could be very different to how we view ourselves. And we pray that you would help us to really grasp who we are in Christ. And Lord, I would particularly like to pray for any who have real struggles with you as a father. Those who feel much pain and much hurt because of the way that they either never knew their father or perhaps they had a father who behaved so badly towards them. Lord, I pray that even dear folk who've suffered and handled these sorts of things even tonight, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to grasp that our new identity means that we enjoy you as Abba Father, darling Daddy. Help us to enjoy it, to grasp it, and to live in the light of your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.